Thank you. Oh, wowza. It's rowdy in church tonight. I love that. That's what I feel like we're at youth on a Friday night. If there's no noise, I don't feel comfortable. No. How's everyone? Good. We're going to have fun tonight. Pastor Ben's not here. I've got the mic. Hey. We're going to actually just do the next 40 minutes of karaoke. Who's up for it? So let's turn to the screens. And no, jokes. That would be crazy. Does anyone like karaoke here? See? I think that would go nuts. Um, We're not doing that. Sorry. Maybe we have to do that one week, a karaoke night. Um, Talk to uh, someone after, if you want that to happen. Not me. Um, But talk to who? The spirit. There you go. Now, I'm excited about tonight. I've, I've got a bit of a word on my heart um, but that I, that I want to share. That I, that's really, um, I guess it's, it's seen something that's been speaking to me personally. Um, and I guess, yeah, for, for the last maybe six to, tw- yeah, maybe six months, it's been something that's been on my heart that has really, I guess God is just showing more and more or, or bringing light to the importance of it. Um, and I get if you don't know if you're, if you're new to our church, my name is James. By the way, nice to meet you. Welcome, you guys. It's great to see you, everyone here. Um, and so, well, the last six weeks, maybe eight weeks, actually. For I don't know when did we start it. We we were doing a, a, a prayer and fasting um, for six weeks anyway as a church family. Really believed that there was a new season we were going into, and that prayer was a tool that we would use. I guess, see breakthrough, to see healing, to see things happen in our church, as well as fasting. And, and so I personally, I chose to do it, and I, I've never really fasted before in my life. Um, I think I did it once, um, but I think my intention was to lose weight more than get closer to God. Um, so it wasn't really effective. But hey, God forgives, and He, he shows us the real way. And so the, 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 the last... These last six weeks that we were doing it were incredible. And um, it came to a point, I think about halfway through the six weeks, where I really, uh, God used people and even messages that had been spoken to shine light on some things in my life and really um, challenge me with some things. And it was a good challenge because it's one that goes, hey, remember what is important. And um, he said these things to me. It, It was really the challenge of, in life, it's important to hear about God, but the most important thing is to personally know Him, is to live and to know Him. I've been in church my entire life, from when I was born to now, and there has been plenty of times where I've heard about God. There's been plenty of times where I've walked into church. Matter of fact, there's probably been nearly every weekend of my life that I've nearly been in a church, or close to every week that I've probably stepped into a building of church. And the thing about church is the building won't change you. Stepping into the building and hearing week by week, that's not what changes you. It's the Spirit of God that is inside the church. That He will use the building. He will use the people in the building. But it's not this building itself that changes us. And so God challenged me. It was about a few months. And I was talking to our young adults, like leaders, Steve and Judy. I'm like, Steve, I just feel dry. I feel like I can't push through. There's things that I'm trying to to break through. I, I can't hear God, I can't just see things the way I've had once have. And, he, and, and I really felt like God just said to me, James, you, you don't, you're not wanting to know me. You're not putting me 
at the front of everything that you do. And so tonight, I guess I just want to look more into this idea of us being, living and having a life that is about Jesus and knowing him. Is that cool? I've titled this message, I like to have titles because they're fun and if you want a title, it's simply nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. If tonight you're a believer and you love Jesus, then I'm praying that at the end of tonight you may have a, have a bit more of a, a light on this idea that Jesus is everything that we live for. The cross is everything that we live for. And even if you don't know Jesus, maybe by the end of tonight there might be some things that shine some light or help or encourage you um, to leave better than we came. Because I think that's our goal is we don't come to church just to hear things. We come to leave and grow and get better as people. So I want to read some scripture. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 to 5. So if you've got your Bibles, let's do that. A bit of, bit of context behind this is, is, is this is Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. And, and this is the second time he's actually been here because the first time he came and he spoke. But he's trying to clear some things up with this church because there's been some misunderstandings with some teachings and some what, what is most important in when we do things. So there's been things that have been taught that maybe aren't as, I guess, important or true. And, and Paul's just coming to, the, to speak to these guys about, hey, hang on, let, let's remind ourselves of what matters. And so this is what Paul says. It's in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, 1 to 5. He says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I come to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and, the cruci- and Him crucified. I love that part so much. That's the, probably the main part I want to look at, but I want to continue so it, it shines some more light. It goes, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. That's an incredible message. Let's pray, and then we will get into it some more. But dear God, I, I pray right now, Lord, we are so desperately in need for you. God, we desperately want you to move tonight in our lives We want you to speak through the word that I've got. Let it be God-breathed. Let it open up some eyes. Let it open up some hearts or maybe even bring healing or or some clarity. But God, Lord, let, let your presence be known here. Let you do what only you can do. And we pray that in your name. Amen. Amen. Does anyone here like exercise? Oh, there's a few people. I love that. It's so good. I don't like exercise, right? Um, I, I really don't like exercise. Hey? Oh, no, I was just saying, does anyone? I was waving at people. But there's a few people. So if you do like it, well done. But for me, um, you're not so much of a fan of exercise. Um, I know the importance of it. I know it's good. Like running. Does anyone here like just running? Like do you just get up and go for runs? Anyone? One, Jackie does. She's, she's an incredible runner. 
You were. There, see, Jackie doesn't like running either. Uh, what about gymming? Does anyone go to the gym or like, yep, a few? Look, I, again, I just, I don't really enjoy any of them. For me, I'll give you a bit of background. Um, I, I grew up loving sports. Didn't necessarily like exercise, but I love sports. Like you name the sports, I played the sports with my cousins, Benito, Jack, and my brother, and every day in our backyard, we'd play football, we'd play cricket, soccer, basketball, um, golf. We played golf a few times. Love golf. Golf is good, just to relax. Actually, we went, we went once. Once we went and played golf. It was Pastor Ben. It was Benito, Jack, and I. And um, <laughs> just pray for Jack. That's all I got to say. All right. It's a frustrating sport, and. Um, we saw that on the, on the green that day. But sports, I love sports, right? It is an amazing thing. Um, and I played sports. I played football for like 10 to 12 years of my life. And, and I, it was everything to me. Everything that I did, um, everything, I lived it, I breathed it. It was literally just ch- uh, church and football. That's what I did. Um, while I was playing football, I, I, I played at a decent level, and which meant that I was training a lot and I was playing a lot. And I... The only thing I didn't really understand, now bear in mind, was that when you play sports, it requires um, good nutrition and good eating. And so I would, a lot of the times, I'd probably be eating McDonald's and I'd be eating lots of rubbish food, KFC, gotta love KFC, finger licking. Um, But I was eating a lot of stuff. Now, I could eat a lot of things because I was running, I think, about 25 to 30 kilometers a week with football. So... I never really put anything on. But then there came a day where I stopped playing football, but I continued to eat. And so, now, this is why I wear baggy clothes. Um, <laughs> Joe. But because I stopped playing football and I kept eating, um, things, muscles and things that I thought I once had started to disappear. Um, and we went to Europe recently, and there were so many carbs. It was crazy. Every day, we get up, you eat croissants, then you eat pizza, then you have pasta, and then you have gelati, and then you repeat every day. Um, and it was incredible. But I got back, and I looked, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. What is happening? And so I, I made a decision. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the gym. Like, I don't like the gym, but I knew I needed the gym. So I I went, started going to the gym when I got back and I'd get there and I started by doing like the treadmill and, and like cardio um, because I was a, just a bit like, uh, I don't know if I'm strong enough to be on the, on the floor yet and actually lift up some weights. But anyway, I started doing the, the treadmill, which is again, a terrible thing. You're doing so much exercise, but you're getting nowhere. Like, what, who, who created that? Like, it's literally, you're doing nothing um, except running on the spot. And and then it got to a point where I felt like I was getting fitter and so I began to like actually go and lift some weights. And the problem with it was that so often I'd, I'd go to the gym and, and I'd look around and there was all these big, muscly, strong dudes there that were just like lifting some crazy weights. Like they just lived, breathed, lived, just exercised, weightlifting. And it looked unhealthy for some of them. Um, but 
But there's something in me, like because I've played sports and I've done all these things, I'm a very competitive person. And there's this one dude at the gym that I go to and he comes in sometimes and we're pretty similar in terms of builds and we don't know each other, but I feel like we know that there's a competition between us. (laughs) And so there'll be times where I'm like on the bench press and, and like... I'm doing a weight, and then I see he's got like 10 more kilos than me, so I'll add 15 kilos. (laughs) And and I'm trying to lift, but it gets to this point where I'm lifting weights and and doing things that I can't actually or shouldn't physically be doing because I'm trying to impress this dude that I've never ever, or try and assert my dominance and show him that I'm really muscly and, and strong. Um, you're probably going, what are you talking about right now? What has this got to do with anything? And I'll get to the point, don't worry, I'll get to it. But I, I, I think I go to the gym about maybe six to eight hours a week, right? In, in a total of, does anyone know, how many hours in a week? 168. So 160 hours of the week, I'm not at the gym. And I think this sometimes makes of, of a good... Um, illustration of how we can sometimes live life in moments and as people we live according to where we are or who we're surrounded by and we try to do things that that is impressive or can show that you're good at something or can show that you're doing things and we we don't always even we're not even always with these people like 160 hours of the week I'm not even with this guy but I'm trying to show that I can do this I'm actually strong, I've actually, I'm actually fit, I'm actually doing, and, and I'm like thinking about it, and I'm, isn't that such a picture of us as humans when we walk into environments or places with people sometimes we don't even know, we'll try to start to do things or say things to show or be that I'm this or I'm that or I've got this or I've got that or I can say this or I'm qualified in this area or if I've studied here or I know this much or I've been here, and I can do this. And I think we try to do more than we actually need to. Just like me at the gym, I I sometimes do more than I need to, because my mindset, I sometimes forget what matters, what I'm there for. I'm not there to to be better than this guy. I'm there to improve my fitness and to, to grow stronger in my own pace and my own time. And I guess I love like what, what Paul talks about in this scripture and how he actually talks. Because in all honesty, I want to say this from the start, a life for Christ and knowing him is not about what we can do, but it's about what he has done on the cross and who he is. So what I'm trying to get at, it's not a life for him, living for him, we get seduced by the world. We get seduced by what's around us and what the world tells us is important. I watched this video before I came here tonight and this dude posted it because he was going, this is amazing. And all these people were saying is, if you want to live a successful life, you need to do more, you need to do more, you need to do more, you need to do more. For, to be successful, you need to have weeks that are 80 to 100 hours of working. That was their perspective of success and a good life. And I'm just like, that's, that's such a strange and false, 
I guess, standard of what it is to live a successful life. And I think as people, we so often strive to do and be and do things on our own strength and by our own accord and do all these things and fix problems that we, we've, we've seen in our life or just find ourselves doing things. The, the thing is with that is I think that's the actual very reason that Jesus came in the first place was because we were trying to do but couldn't. Was that we were trying to fix things or become better but then God's like, hang on, these guys can't do it. They can't solve it on their own. So I will send my son and he will die for you and he will be the way and the reason we live and so forth. So we need to be living from a place of the cross. That's where all our life goals, ambitions need to flow from is the cross and how Jesus lived. That's my heart for tonight. And so in the scripture where Paul talks, and I love what he displays, and it's such a great thing. In the text, he says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Like I said, we can do and do and try to know more. But see, Paul here, he's saying, I'm contemplating and considering all the knowledge and information and education I have. So he was a smart man. Paul knew a lot. He was educated and he knew quite a lot of things. But he's saying, hey, that's not what's important right now. What's important is Jesus and the cross. And so he's saying all of this means nothing to me in comparison to what Jesus did. And he's, he's made that decision. He goes, I made that decision today. I'm going to spend my life considering, obsessing, and, and just loving what Jesus did on the cross. Can I just say, I, I truly believe as people, it is so important for us to declare what we're living for and what we're dying for. As people, it is so important that we declare what we're living and dying for. What are we here on earth for? Why are we living? So often there's people, they go, oh, i got faith. What do you got faith in? Faith. Faith in faith is not faith. It's, it's nothing. In order to have faith, it's got to be in something. And, and so we've got to understand and ask ourselves. Can I encourage us, church? It, ask yourself questions of why. Of, of hey, wh what is my faith in? Because it's such a personal thing. It's actually a personal question. And for me, I, I, think, I think about it a lot in terms of this life we live and who am I living it for. But this question here is, when I die, what do I want to be known for? Like, when I finish my time on this earth and, and, and pe I look, people look or talk or maybe remember me for something, what is it that I want to be known for? Do I want to be known for the things that I had? Or he worked a good job? Oh, he had a few nice cars. He had a nice house. Or, or do I want to be known for a man? And this is my heart. This is what I want to be known for. And I pray this is what I'm living my life towards, is that I, 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 I die knowing that I was a man that loved Jesus and that preached the cross. Like, it's a simple message I want to preach tonight. 
it's, I don't want it to be complicated or over the top. And it's just something that I believe we need to remind ourselves of, of what are we living for? And, you know, I just believe that, you know, I want to die at the hill of Calvary. What that means is, is, is to say, I, I want my life to be lived for and from the cross. And what do you want your lives to be about? What do you want your lives to be remembered for? What, is, what do you want written on that tombstone to say, this person was... And that, that's something we have to ask ourselves. Do we want to be known for those things that we have or do we want to be known as someone that loved Jesus? I think one of the, one of the greatest examples, there's two people that were examples to this, to which had... This, there's one disciple, his name is John. I think he's one of the greatest examples of a man that lived knowing Jesus and the cross. There was another disciple who probably wasn't so much the same. He knew Jesus and that, but I'll, and that was Peter. I want to talk more about him in a second, but John, there's examples in the word about John. And I want to encourage him, John actually displays and gives an image of what it actually truly looks like to know Jesus and live for him. Two accounts. One, John in Matthew, um, sorry, in John 13, 23, there's an account where John is literally leaning on the heart of Jesus. I'm fairly sure it's coming to the end time where, where Jesus is talking about how he was about to, to leave and John knew where he needed to be. And that was literally with his heart, head on, on Jesus' heart. And, you know, we can't necessarily physically do that anymore, but I do believe it is a great illustration to how we as followers should prioritize what, what are we leaning on? What are we leaning on? And there's another one where, now, there's no specific actual name to it, but a lot of theologians believe that it was John, but there was a disciple with Mary at the feet of the cross. And a lot of theologians say that it was John, but John was there. He was one of the only disciples actually at the cross on those last days. Why? Because he knew where he needed to be. He knew who he, who he was living for. And he had loads of issues. John didn't have it all together. He came from a, a family that were fishermen, who in those days was probably a low, low standard of living and work and job. But he found himself reminding and remembering what is important. What am I living for? And you got Peter. And I think our issue like Peter, who wasn't at the foot of the cross because he was the one that denied Jesus, is we say the right things, is I want my life to be about the gospel or about Jesus or what he has accomplished on the cross. And that's what we're after. The challenge is, this is our challenge. And I guess it's the reaction we need, but probably don't do it so often. But do we use Jesus as a pillow? Like, do we use Jesus as, what, what, when is it that you use a pillow? The time that you're most feeling at comfort. Someone that you can rest on. Someone that you can relax on. What we usually live by 
is when we're doing things or when we get issues or problems or things come up. A lot of the times we, uh, we have these things, we'll work it out or, or flesh it out or make it happen or perform well or do good. And, and so often the answer to our problems or the things that we are happening around us is us making them better, is us trying to fix that. But that's just the life that trusts itself to fulfill God's command. When we try to fix it, when we try to do it by our own strength, that's relying on our own accord, on our own strength. And I believe that we've got to live by the cross and by the gospel. The people that don't understand that, you know what will happen? They will criticize us far more, they will far more criticize a reclining disciple than a moving disciple. John was a reclining disciple. He was someone that knew Jesus. He knew he could rely and trust on Jesus. Peter was a disciple that was moving. He had to fix. He had to do. I've got to solve this. I've got to be better. I've got to say the right things. And in our society and culture today, if people don't understand that we are living by Jesus and, and he is the reason we live and who we live for, then a lot of the times they will criticize us when maybe we actually just stop and trust him and stop and rely on him. But you're not doing more. What are you doing? You're not praying well. You haven't prayed enough. You haven't read your word enough. You've got to come on, fix it, fix it, fix it. No, no, no. Maybe it's about just stopping. See, Peter, he, he lived by the law. This is how Peter lived. And the law seeks to justify those who live or are led by the law. So with, with Peter, a lot of the times he was searching for what others were doing and he was trying to find things that people were doing wrong so he could justify the actions that he was doing and make me feel better. That's what happens when people live by the law and what we do is we, that's us living by our own accord, essentially, by our own strength, by our own understanding is we try to, oh, um, oh, maybe I didn't do it right this time. So has anyone else made a mistake today that could just maybe make me look or feel a bit better? And we begin to look and we begin to see. And there's a, there's a part in the Bible, in Matthew 26, 33, Peter actually says this. He goes, if everyone else falls, if everyone else falters in this room, I won't. That's from his words. He's a pretty confident guy. If everyone here, you guys are all going to fail. You're going to stuff up. But me, no, nah, no chance. I'm good. I know what I'm doing. That's some confident stuff. See, the problem with living by the law is you become more interested and obsessed by your own words and by your own vows instead of Jesus's words, instead of Jesus's vows, such as, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's Jesus's words. He's always with us. He's always beside us. See, the reason that John was enabled to come back to the cross, despite having fear, despite having things that he had done, worries, etc., was, was that he knew that it was about Jesus' love for him more than his love for Jesus. And that's something I truly believe 
is something as people we have to understand. And I think Pastor Ben talked a lot about it last week, about the generosity of our God. If we live life according to the love we have for God, we will always get let down. Why? Because his love's unconditional. His love's never ending. And our love will never measure up to that. So if our perspective is on his love for us, we can find rest in that. We can find peace in that. And I, know, and I believe that's the true reason why John, despite probably having issues, but despite having things, came back to the place he needed to be at the foot of the cross, leaning on the heart of Jesus. Because he understood Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. <laughs> and you see it, right? The cross, where were the others? Peter, I believe Peter was what you call like a, a, someone that lived in condemnation. See, if we live consumed with our love for God and our duties and our devotions and how often I, I, I read my word or, or the things I do for God and, and the performance that I have, eventually you'll find yourself in a pity party away from the cross. Eventually, sooner or later, we'll find ourselves away from the cross, the very thing we need, the very thing we live for, going, man, I've tried. I've read my Bible five times this week, and I still feel like I'm not measuring up. I've prayed for three hours today. Heck, where are you, God? And now, bear in mind, I think the Bible and praying are essentials. But it's not the doing, it's the why you're doing it. It's the how you're doing it. It's the perspective of hey, um, why am I reading my word? Is it to just tick it off? Am I praying just to tick it off? Or do I have a perspective that I'm living for Jesus and to know him is to read my word. To know him is to pray to God. But if we get it mixed up, we sooner or later become more like Peter and we begin to do more, to get more from God. But we've already got so much he wants to give to us because he is a loving and a generous God. And he loves us. So, and the reality is, is this, is condemnation will get the best of all of us sometimes until we lay our head on the heart of God and we recognize his love is unconditional, is unmeasurable, is never failing. And, and this is why I love, even with Paul, what he talks about, how that Paul makes it so simple. He's like, hey, I could try to persuade you. I could like try to use these fancy things and all the things that I've learned. And, but I'm just going to trust in the Jesus and the cross and let his power and his spirit do what they need to do. And that's such a powerful thing. And that's such an amazing thing. And I guess the, the thing I wonder the most in, this, in a world that we live in is with a lot of movement and motion and things that happen around us and energy is is what i'm saying sustainable is is this life that to do less or something sustainable i guess not less in in like just sit there but in terms of less in what we do more in what he does is it sustainable because i guess unless 
your head is firmly set on the heart of Jesus, it won't last. For some, at the end of our days, for some of us at the end of our days, for some, we won't be at the foot of the cross. You know where we'll be? We'll be in the backwoods with Peter in a pity party. We'll be asking what happened. Some of us will be going, what happened? Why didn't, I, why didn't my vows of devotion and discipline work for me? And I just think I, I just can't shake this or, or like keep it as simple as it is. It's Jesus and living for him that matters. It's not this doing stuff. And to make it, I guess, give a biblical, um, what would you, uh, or reference to, to what I believe we as people need to do more. We as believers need to do more. And actually, the fact of the matter is, is actually might seem, it might seem quite like unorthodox or different or unusual or against the grain of what the world's telling us. But I believe with my whole heart, for us to live and know Jesus, the very thing we need to do more is simply Psalm 46.10. Where the psalmist, he writes, be still and know that I am God. Like I don't have points, I don't have formulas, I don't have ways that you personally can, well, haven't had a good week, so please tell me. Tell me how I can do it. See, that's what Paul talks about. It's the man's wisdom. I can tell you things, but it's only until you truly go to God and ask for his wisdom that I believe that there'll be true change. He'll use people. He'll speak through people. But let your final confirmation be from Jesus. Let your first confirmation be from Jesus. And so what does it mean? What does this actually mean, this psalm? I think it's to say that we need to stop sometimes. We need to wait sometimes. We need to sit. We need to rest. We need to recline. We need to trust. We need to listen. Maybe whisper. Talk to Jesus. Be still. Because the reality is we're not God. So maybe it's about us taking off our crown and, and, and sort of pushing away the Messiah mentality that we have to fix everything and we are and have the solution by our own problem, but for our own problems. Maybe it's time we push that aside and we lay or we lean on Jesus. We lean on God. We recline on Him. We trust in Him because He'll never neglect or reject our recline on Him because he loves us. He says it, be still and know who I am. Be still and know that I am God. I think what I love most about even what Paul talks about, he, he finishes it and I think this is what we've got to grab and grasp and understand is I, I don't know or necessarily, because sometimes we can think, be still and know that I am God. I mean, what, do I just stand there? Do I just like... What I love, Paul talks, he says it, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but God's power. Sometimes we just need to be still and wait. Sometimes we literally probably do need to just stand still and let God's power do what only God's power can do in our lives. Do you know what I was thinking before? The, 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 um, this, during the worship, 
Now, honor to Pastor Ben and, and, and Julie. They're some of the greatest pastors ever. But you know what? I'm probably confident there's some people that are maybe not comfortable that they're not here. Oh, Pastor Ben's not here. Will I hear from God tonight? Will I, will I get my dose of Jesus tonight? Because the reality is it's not. Your, your walk and your life is not dependent upon Pastor Ben, upon the leaders of the church. They will help. They're here to help and to guide and to give information or like give wisdom. But the, the wisdom that surpasses all of that is the wisdom of God. Is the wisdom, and this is deep, it might seem pretty deep, but I truly believe if we grasp this idea that we live for Jesus, that our life is for Him and it's from the cross, it, it will change everything. We no longer will have to try and bench more than other people <laughs> to impress them. We are not, Jesus died for me. There's freedom in that. I'm not saying go home, sell all your things, sit in your room and do nothing. What I'm trying to get at is maybe the first place we need to go to when there's things is Jesus, is God. The first place we go for, for a solution or for help or for love or for peace or for, for mercy, all the things that God can give us is to Him. Maybe that's our perspective is we've tried to fight battles. There's probably people here tonight and I want to come to a close like right now, I guess. So if the keys, keys could come up, it just makes it a bit more spiritual. Um, not really. It doesn't really. It's not true. It's not true. Not true at all. But I believe there's people here tonight that there's things, there's, there's maybe family issues you've been fighting or there's, that are happening in your life. There's personal ones, financial things, forgiveness, relation, relationship issues in your life. Just things you've tried to do, tried to fix, things in your personal life that for so long you've tried to, I can fix this, I can do it. I, I, you have that Peter mentality. No, 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 I'll try and get it right. I'll try and do this to impress or to, to prove to God that I'm worthy of His love. I'll do more to prove to God that I'm worthy of His love. Maybe tonight it's time to change our perspective or change our approach and understand that God loves you and it's His love that will change everything. It's the love that He displayed on the cross that we live for that changes our lives. And so it might challenge some of your ways or your thoughts or the way you do things, but maybe tonight, I truly believe that it would be appropriate that we go back into a time of worship. And as we worship, I don't want to say anymore. I don't want to do anymore because I don't believe it's between me and you. I believe it's between you and God. So what it might be is that during this time of worship, it's time that we might be still and know that He is God. It's time that we might stop and we might wait and we might rely and lean and trust in Him. Because He is everything we need. He has done everything that we'll ever need on that cross on Calvary. What was done there will allows us to live in freedom, in victory, 
for the rest of our life. And I'm not preaching this or speaking out of this way of you guys need to get, this was something that God's been challenging me on so hard recently. Because there were times as recent as probably a month ago, fortnight ago, where I was, like I said before, I was trying to fix and fight a battle that I didn't need to fight for myself. It wasn't until I heard, I was like, wait, when I know you, Jesus, you know what happens when you know Jesus? I believe we actually sometimes live life through lenses. Through, through, and what we do when we know Jesus, we put His lens on. When we don't know Him, we'll try and love through how we've known love. And you know what? Sometimes there's people here, sadly, have never felt love. So if we try to love through a lens that is of our own experience, then we're going to get let down. But if we take upon the love of Jesus and let that be our lens, then we'll know that there's hope. We'll know that He loves us and He is good. He is kind and His mercies are new every day. And so that's the importance. That's what I truly believe when we know Him. We live through His lens. We, we live life through Jesus' lens. And so, like I said, if we could all stand across this place tonight. 